All right. Hello. Welcome back to the Key to Success podcast. I'm your host, Surreal Key. Let me tell you quickly about myself because I've been told multiple times that I've been hopping out there and not telling people. I'm an assistant principal. I am the uh, 2021 Illinois School Counselor of the Year. I travel all over the country uh, training educators. I do a bunch of really cool stuff. But today I have the founder of School Pulsar. Um, You know, he's an innovative leader uh, that is uh, pushing out positive psychology to school uh, to students. And I couldn't be happier to, than to have Yuri Mello here. So how are you doing today, Yuri? Man, I am so good. I think the pleasure is mutual, my friend. Like, I'm ready to get down to the nitty gritty and provide some goodness. So I, I'm excited to be here, man. I really am. Yeah, so Yuri, can you tell my audience a little bit about who you are? Like, we know that you're the co-founder of School yeah. Post, Like, you know, tell us a little bit about who you are in your journey. Man, I would love to. It's it's a little bit of a long story, and I'll spare you a lot of the details. But uh, I'm I'm originally from Portugal. That's kind of where I'm from. I actually grew up there until I was about sixteen, and then made my way to to America, right? And uh, and that was a bit of a shock, but it was it was absolutely lovely, and I'm grateful for that experience. Uh, anyways, I continued on with my education and got my master's in social work, and have really been a therapist for the last 20 years. That's what I've done. And so, I mean, just tens of thousands of people like knee to knee, eyeball to eyeball, in addition, obviously, to lots of associations with schools and presentations to parents uh, and and lots of meetings with, with students throughout the nation. I just absolutely love my work with schools. Uh, I've also written a couple of books, which I'll be super honest. Like th- Those are probably some of the most meaningful times of my life, like when, when I was able to take so much of the stuff that was just in my mind, in my brain, and to be able to kind of dump that into some sort of a, of a sensical format, which that's what I think it is. You guys might not think so, but I did one that's called Mind Over Gray Matter, and then another one called Know Thy Selfie, which is kind of a self-help uh, bestseller, actually, for teens. And I, I did that a few years back. But Total pleasure. And I think watching my mom growing up writing, um, interestingly enough, I was just thinking the other day, man, how how interesting it is to see those things kind of flourish within us consciously or subconsciously, but they end up making a difference in our lives. And sure enough, at kind of, you know, at some point in in my early 40s, I found myself writing a couple of books, which just actually kind of surprised me. So, um, and then of course, in 2017, I, I, I now I, I launched with a good friend of mine and we're growing and expanding throughout the entire United States. But this extraordinary idea, really, which is to proactively, it's not a new idea to be proactive and to be preventative, but the way that we've done it, the way that we're doing is incredible. And I can't wait to tell you how with you, Terrell, like we're changing the world, my friend. We're joining you in your quest to do it. You're doing it at that level, which is very similar to ours, and we're just coming in a different way, and I'm just thrilled to be here, man. Yeah, it's, it's really cool, like, when things kind of, like, match. You know what I mean? Um, when I was at uh, the ASCA conference, like, I told, um, you know, I, I, you know I, I said, you know, like, I didn't really look, like, at trying to match up with, like, every company there. Like, I really just wanted to find one company that kind of aligned with my way of thinking, uh, and the idea, oops, I kind of got rid of myself there. But uh, but the but the thing, one of the things that no, I like most, you know, is is like this pot, this concept of positive psychology because it's totally revolutionary. 
um, you know, like for so long, like when we think about therapy, like we're always thinking about like the negatives and things like that. So now you're coming at it with a new level. And that's not even just being proactive, but it's even more innovative than that because psycho positive psychology is not like that old. Like this is kind of a new concept. Could you tell <laughs> us a little bit about positive psychology? Uh, oh man, you're, you're speaking my lingo now. I would absolutely love to do that. And I promise it will not be a lengthy historical explanation, but it's actually, it's very interesting. Well, at least it is to me, and maybe I'm a little bit of a psychology geek, but uh, you're totally right. Like for the past century, right? Like the focus of psychology has been on the illness, right? Of people, like how we are depressed, suicidal, our weaknesses, abnormal psychology, like 90% of every study that psychologists have done over the past, over the years, have been about that, really literally discovering and diagnosing the illnesses of people. And so positive psychology, what that does, and it actually kind of began with, let me start here really quick. So there, there are like four waves of psychology, and it started all the way back with Freud, right? And that's like psycho, uh, psychoanalysis or psychodynamic theory. Uh, and that's what a lot of us in therapy call, this, that's the medical model. Uh, and the medical model is very simple, which is when you break something, you go to the hospital and you fix it. So you're waiting for things to break and then you're trying to apply some sort of help to that. And we, of course, still use the medical model. We use it all the time and there's nothing wrong with it, but it's just a, it's just a part of the picture that I think we've now expanded. And then we've gone on to the second wave of psychology, which is behaviorism, right? And that's all about operant conditioning and learning theory and positive and negative re and uh, yeah, uh, reinforcement. And of course, we still use those, right? We're still using those all the time. And then we moved on to humanism, right? And, and humanistic psychology was like some of the people that you may know about, of course, probably the most prominent one is Abraham Maslow. Uh, and all of you have will recognize that, you know, that the hierarchy of needs, right, with basic needs here and self-actualization at the top, that was really the beginning of humanistic psychology, where the focus wasn't just on the inadequacies and the illness and the craziness, our sexual drive, our aggressive drive, but it was really beginning to look at the potential of man and the fact that we were driven not just by our angry desires, but by self-actualization, by meaning, by purpose, by love, by compassion, by kindness, and all of these concepts. And so positive psychology has really grown from this humanist concept where 90% of their research isn't about what is wrong with humans, but what is right. Mm -hmm. And then to ensure that there are strategies and skills that help to build those strengths, to build those factors that make us better humans, better individuals, more successful, to feel happier uh, instead of just focusing on those weaknesses. And so when I say we deliver the best positive psychology to students in the nation, that is exactly what we're attempting to do. We're attempting to give them the skills and the strategies that will increase their happiness, that will increase their ability to achieve in life, in school, in relationships. That's what we're delivering. And we do so in an interactive way. And we can maybe go into that later. But no, 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 love positive psychology. No, 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 you're, you're, you're totally fine. Because 
I think like so often, like now, like just in society in general, like we're so fixated on problems or fixing people or things happening to people. But like the positive psychology model is based on creating agency within that person to actually go out and become, you know, like a productive, a valuable member of society. Like that aligns like like literally like the entire show, like my mindset, everything is aligned with creating people like or helping people to become more uh, capable of doing things for themselves and going out and becoming better uh, and just trying. And I think like with positive psychology, instead of focusing on the issues and what's wrong with people, just literally pouring into some of the things that you can do, the resources you do have. I, I think it's just a totally different model um, for looking at psychology. Yeah. And, and I think, I think you're right to Ross. I think people actually instinctively know, right. That, that that makes sense. But I think we have this tendency to, to go back into this rut of like, and, and these are totally necessary. Like I, I'm not going to say anything negative about suicide hotlines because they're necessary, right? I, I always describe hotlines and crisis lines as like they're fire extinguishers on the wall. And we want those. They're lifeguards, you know, on the chairs. And we want those individuals. But and there isn't a problem with those, but but really we're just aiming at, you know, the seven, eight, ten percent, maybe fifteen, but of the individuals who are at that crisis level. And the shift that we've done is, is, is we've gone away from the crisis model, right? Where we're just providing crisis services, which we love. We love, we're grateful they're there, but we've turned our focus towards let's help students, parents, staff, faculty, individuals to build the kind of protective factors in their lives so that they're not constantly at risk in a crisis. And so we reached out to 100% of the students to deliver them the types of skills that will create what in psychology we call kind of a happiness advantage, right? And that's actually a great book. If you and your listeners want a terrific read that will, I think, provide a really nice shift for, their, for themselves individually, professionally, or with their students, absolutely great book. But the concept there is very simple. And, and everybody, once again, instinctively knows this. And if you were to look back throughout your life, you would realize this truth about you, that a lot of times we've been taught, right, that when we work hard, we're going to be successful. And when we're successful, we'll be happy. And what this concept is teaching us is, is actually this kind of Copernican revolution, right, is that it isn't happiness that rotates around success. It's the other way around, mm -hmm. meaning when you're happier, you are you create success in just about everything you touch. And so our goal is to encourage and promote and invite this type of happiness advantage in every student, in every parent, in every faculty member. Uh, and we do this in the most, in the simplest of ways, which is through text. Like, and I think that that's, that's a little bit of our secret sauce, but. Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, that, that kind of mirrors like a public health model that schools are using, like when we're talking about multi-tiered systems of support, right? Um, PBIS. Uh, yes. Interventions and supports or a response to intervention um, like RTI or whatever. So like what you said earlier was like mm -hmm. 80 percent of people, eight, maybe 83 to 85 percent of people 
Like, you know, like you're not going to need like the hospital level approach of, um, you know, like of psychology. Like that's not going to hit you. Right. But what you will need is like the that's right. like the stuff that's for everyone that can be pushed out to you. So and what, what ends up happening so much today is like you have like the news or you have like your coworkers or you have your family members and your tier one is unhappy. Like so like the, the, you're constantly being fed negative information, negative information, negative information. So now you're programming yourself to live a negative life. Like a lot of the things that you're seeing over and over and over again, reinforce it. So now like what you're kind of doing is taking like psychology, like, you know, the positive psychology model where we're going ahead of it. And we're going to, we're going to push some positive things into your timeline, into your phone, into, into, you know, like into your life, you know, and I think that's just a, a really, really great uh, way of approaching things. You know, like, I, I think that's incredible. And then also, you know, I kind of want to talk to to you a little bit more about like uh, how happiness is being delayed for so many people. Because like because like success is like a fleeting like term, like it's not something that you just hold. Um, You might have a successful day, you know, like you might have a successful month. But like from day, like every day you might not feel successful. You could have a million dollars. And so many people that that are rich, like, you know, like they don't know how to handle like not you know, like feeling whole because we're like literally attaching our own personal happiness to to like an object or to an achievement. I mean, I could tell you right now, like I, <laughs> I mean, like there's a lot of achievements that I've had, but like they're like in the behind, they're behind me, like just like on this thing, they're behind me. But the things that you focus on is like what you're trying to get to. So like if you're constantly focusing your happiness on something that you don't have, like you'll never really you might have it for a moment, but you'll never really have it. You know what I mean? And, I, and the last thing, you know, before I, I get back to you, is I know some people that are extremely poor that are happier than some people that are rich, you know? And I mean, like, their happiness is is, is just different, like, because it's not attached to anything. So just want to hear what your thoughts are. No, I, man, I, I, I love that. I, I feel like that certainly resonates. Uh, I, I think to me, it just it just feels correct, right? It, it feels right. And, and I think what in part, that is exactly what we're talking about, right? Is, 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 I mean, is life is completely full of fleeting things, right? And so, and, and I'm sure that this is something that you preach, brother. I mean, to, to everyone that you see and to everyone that you interact, but, but our ability to create some mental, emotional, and physical, really, I suppose, in some way, because I'm getting old now, but, but some flexibility, right? Our ability to adapt, which is so, intrinsic to humankind right but but some sometimes man, we are just like rigid people rigid individuals and when things don't go the way that we want to we have such a difficult time shifting our mental gears and we end up stuck or angry or bitter or upset or sad or depressed and so what we're attempting to instill right is this incredible flexibility right the emotional endurance the psychological know-how to deal with I suppose success to deal with struggle, to deal with relationships. Uh, in fact, that's something that I, I mean, whenever I, I, I do like lots of assemblies at schools that are, that are just fun. Like, uh, but that's something that I usually start with. And I'll usually just say, look, like your psychology is everything. Like the way you interpret the world around you, the way you see yourself, the way you see others is everything because that is the lens, like that is the lens by which we analyze the world around us. And whether we're successful or in a situation that's tremendous, that's tremendously hard, like our perspective is ultimately what gives meaning, what shapes what that experience means. 
And so I, I'll usually give students number one, like this, this concept, right. That it's, that it's our decision, it's our decisions, not our conditions, right. That ultimately define our future. Right. And that's to help people, like you said, to try to enhance this idea of choice, right. Of agency, our ability to be agents unto ourselves, right. To promote our own life, what we want to do. Another one that I do is, and I actually tell, it's one of my very favorite stories of, of Nelson Mandela uh, when he was in prison for 37 years and then he, he, he's released, right? And he becomes president of that country and forever changes, right? What that country stands for, right? About, well, attempts to abolish apartheid and, and moves that country to a whole new level. But he was being interviewed uh, by someone who asked him, like, how did you deal with the injustice, right? Of being in prison? How did you deal with the suffering of, suffering of 37 years of hard labor, and his response was, is just like magnificent. But he says, like, what suffering? It was preparation, right? Mm. And that statement reveals an ideology, right? It reveals his psychology that allowed him to take an extreme circumstance and give it a meaning that empowered him to move forward. And I just love that story. And of course, there are other stories like that, right? Of individuals who have this concept that every experience allows them is becomes the way, right? It allows them to evolve. It allows them to grow. And spiritually speaking, it's, I've heard some people even say that it's every experience can be consecrated for their good. Consecrated meaning it is that something can become something that's even challenging can become holy inside of them. And I've always loved that concept. And I think that Nelson Mandela experience is, is just so beautifully, it just beautifully reveals this ideology that he has about life. Anyways, I've always been captivated no, no, by, no, by no, it's, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. I just wanted to let you know I was here with you. Um, also, um, I'm just going to share something really quickly. So, let's see if this works. So like when you were talking about oh, like, yeah, hierarchy, yeah. like this isn't like the, the classic one, but this is just a brief, like just something that you could kind of see really quickly, like what we're talking about. And one of the things like when we're talking about positive psychology or even just psychology in general, right? Like we have like self-actualization at the top, but you might not always live there. And I think that's one of the things that people like, you know, misunderstand about Mazo, like because any one of these ladder, like these little, uh, like, you know, like these little steps on the ladder or whatever, any one of those could be removed. And like, that's why, like, you know, some people like when we're talking about Nelson Mandela, like he didn't he might not have needed as strong of a step for some of these things. So, like, it's really like all in your perception about um, what's going on around you. I mean, like there are people that are in prison that are extremely. I mean, it's just all kinds of situations like where we could we could actually change the way that we look at the world if we decide to actually do it. But so like, but for so many people and just looking at the country, there's just so many people that are unhappy. You know, like, just, yeah. you know, I don't know. Why do you think that is? Why, I, why do we struggle with it? Oh, man. Wow. What a, what a, <laughs> that is a terrific question. Why are, why are people unhappy? Um, I, I, I'll give you a couple of ideas. And these are just thoughts. I mean, man, I, I'm happy you asked that. But I, I think number one, I think is we're bombarded with negativity. Like, man, I, I mean, our, if, if there's something we're addicted to is, is just negative things, man, whether it's the news, whether it's music or other things. And of course, like, I mean, we, we try to, to infuse our life with positivity, but, but those little things just impact us. They really do. 
And so, I mean, that would be one thing that, and this is something that, I mean, we're proud of doing with, with our platform, right, is, is we're literally nudging this, like, constant stream of positivity, optimism, hopefulness, and, of course, skills to students. Uh, and, and we do it in a way that, that doesn't stop. But, but to answer your question, um, I, I think that may be it. I, I, I think perhaps our psychology is incorrect. I think our perception... Of, of of happiness is still housed in that kind of in that medical in that problem model of you know how do we take care of people who are ill versus really spending time educating people on how to be happy because we can treat anxiety like we can treat depression i've been doing it for 20 years like we can we can teach people skills to manage their bipolar disorder like we can teach people you know, how to stop arguing or how to argue better, but what we're really attempting to focus and, and hopefully, I mean, we're making this shift and we're attempting to help people do it is to shift, not just from how do we treat illness, but how do we build goodness? Like how do we instill compassion in people? Like how do we help people to be more forgiving instead of just canceling each other out? Um, and, and honestly, it, it, it drives me crazy. It doesn't drive me crazy. I shouldn't say it that way, but I, it, it makes me feel sad. It makes me sad uh, because it, I almost feel like there is a part of, of, of the world and the community and even without the United States where like, it's, it's difficult to even speak about things. Um, because if you say one way or another, man, you're just going to be ridiculed. Um, and it's unsafe, right? It, it feels unsafe. And, and it, it, it hurts me because I feel... You know, what, what happens in a relationship, right? Whether it's a marriage, whether it's a friendship, whether it's your boss, and you don't feel safe to communicate or express, like, like that relationship is, is literally damned at that point. Like, we just can't progress because the place where you are just isn't safe. And I think, unfortunately, like, the national discourse has just become damned because whether you're here or whether you're there, like, you're just met with ridicule and harshness. And so it's, we have very loud people on either side and then probably the majority that sit in the middle, but it's not safe for them to even talk because if I agree with this, man, I'm going to be hated and demolished by this side. And, and so being in the middle. It, and it, and it hurts me. Yeah. <laughs> like you could be canceled for being in the middle, you know, <laughs> That's seriously, That's I mean, totally true. Really difficult. I mean, and, you know, just kind of getting back to um, like society and our programming, it's, it's just like the same thing with everything, whether it's like eating vegetables or listening to positive news. Like a lot of people say they want to hear positive news, but if it was on, no one would even watch it. I just don't understand <laughs> why we crave, like we crave negativity, like we crave pizza. <laughs> like, 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 what, like what is it? <laughs> Well, it, it, and I, I mean, I may have a little bit of an answer to that. Is, is, uh, and I think even in positive psychology, we talk about this, right? Which is, it's our, our brains, our brains are survivalistic, right? I mean, they're, your, your brain's job, right, is, is to literally protect this organism, right? And, uh, and this is something that I talk about, whether it's in relationships or even in positive psychology for yourself, is is we always, one of the things that we need to do is, is we have to, to change the ratios in our life, right? Which what that means is, is we have to make sure that our life has positive ratios, meaning 
five positive things to every one negative. And in relationships, this is, I mean, some people will call that the magic number, which is either three to one or five to one, which just basically states that for your relationship to be your relationships to be healthy, they have to have a five to one ratio. That means five positive interactions for every one negative. Why does it have to be this way? Well, it's because our brain is naturally attuned to holding on to the negative because it doesn't, it wants to protect that organism, which is us. And so it remembers negativity more easily than it does the positivity. And so that's why we have to constantly nurture and feed and, and constantly grow this because when it doesn't, weeds just grow and overtake the whole thing. You know what I mean? And so it, I, I, it's like, um, well, another example that I use sometimes is, uh, uh, and, and I'm not attempting to make a spiritual statement here, but, but, but Jesus make, tells this like incredible story, right? Which is, it's a, a small parable mm -hmm. of, of the soils, of the seeds, right? And, and it just tells the story about this man who goes out and he's throwing seeds, right? Throughout, and some fall on the path and some fall among weeds and some fall on rocky ground and some fall on good ground, right? And the seeds that fall on the on the path like the birds come eat them up the seeds that fall on the rocky ground they bloom but the ground is so shallow it's so hard that those seeds just burn up and then the seeds that fall amongst the weeds right they grow but the cheat the but the, the the weeds choke them out and then of course the seeds that fall on the good ground like they grow right and they give fruit you know times 100 times 50 and and what that story is really about is is about the state of our hearts right that's what that is is what, what's your heart like? Like, is it soft? Is it broken? Is it willing? Is it teachable? Or are we just like hard, right? And nothing comes in. And if it doesn't match our, our worldview, like we just cast it out. We're moving it out. And so I, I love that concept of just teaching people, right, to move towards humility, right? To move towards being teachable, to move towards being soft-hearted, instead of so aggressive towards the world around them. Uh, and then I think you really can live a life at peace and you can find even those people who, who can be really challenging to love and we can love them because we can see them from a perspective of like they're, they're unwell or they're hurt or their own story is, it makes their living really challenging instead of just being people in such a harsh manner in such a judgmental and condemning way, um, which makes life a harsh place. Yeah. Like it's a threatening place. And when you talked about like falling amongst the weeds, I think sometimes people don't even realize that they're weeds, you know, like some of the weeds, <laughs> flowers, you know what I mean? But they just don't know how, um, you know, and then like when you're around so many weeds and you're trying to bloom, even if you do bloom, like sometimes like, you just don't fit in. And some people are afraid of not fitting in. So they trauma bond yeah. or, you know, like there's, you know, or, yeah, 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 yeah. Or you, you're blooming in the middle of the weeds and now you're toxic positive. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's like, how do you find like that right balance? You know what I mean? Of being positive, you know, like within the workplace, bringing joy within the workplace when so many people aren't whole, you know, and so many people aren't happy. Like, how do you strike that balance? I, uh, you know, actually one, one piece of, of, of data and research there that uh, as, as I was, I mean, as I've, as I've read and uh, especially like even in positive psychology, but 
but and this is no surprise to you, Carell, but like the greatest predictor of long-term happiness is relationships. Like across the line, across all variables, like the greatest predictor that we will be long-term happiness is, is the relationships that we surround ourselves with, right? And yes, we, we don't choose all of those, right? Whether it's at work or in other situations, like sometimes we're thrown into situations that are incredibly challenging. But despite those that sometimes are not chosen by us, man, we need to seriously like invest. And, and, and I'm not talking about this as like some cruel joke, meaning like, well, that's only for people who are social like you, Yuri, or who are gregarious or who don't have to deal with social anxiety. And, and I respect all those individuals. And my heart goes out to anyone who has those individual struggles. But what I'm here to tell you is this, like, I know what the data says. I know what the research says. And regardless of your own style, personality, proclivity, tendencies, what I'm telling you is this, you need to find a way to consistently and over time throughout your life to find a way to invest and nurture and devote a significant amount of time and resources to developing relationships because those relationships not only will create and instigate happiness inside of you, but they'll literally help you to live longer. And some of you may not want to live longer, but, but for those of you who do, like literally your physical health can be improved by the people, like just having those healthy relationships. And it's kind of amazing that, that like things are connected in that sense, right? That, that our mental connects to our physical, connects to our biological, connects to our spiritual, connects to our relational. And it's just, it's just totally true. Like it's totally systemic. And so when we raise one, right, the others have a tendency to rise. There's that great quote. I don't even know who said it, but like a rising tide raises all the ships, right? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes whenever I'm working with people, I usually just tell them, look, like, let's just begin somewhere. Let's begin somewhere. Let's raise here. Like, I, I know you want to raise everything, but sometimes that becomes so overwhelming that we never even begin, right? It's almost like somebody whose room is a complete mess and they're thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I got to go clean my entire room. And what I would just tell them is, man, like, just why don't you set a timer for 15 minutes and do it for 15 minutes or clean a corner or a quarter of that or begin here. And then that motivation can kick in and biology can actually assist you in getting things clean. But we often have such a tendency, like we, we want to get to that perfectionistic place and we just never even get started because it's so overwhelming, right? So anyways, I know I'm bouncing all no, over no, the place no, to no, 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 because I'm, I'm literally jotting down notes because there's, there's a lot of things that I want to talk about <laughs> within this. So no, no we're, we're totally good. We actually have a question that's going to lead, actually ties directly into uh, you know, like where I was kind of going. So I find that especially in the social media age, people might find uh, might have more relationships, but uh, necessarily deeper relationships. Advice for deepening the bonds of those relationships. Some tips. Oh, that what a what a terrific question. I I, I think you're right. Uh, I think especially within uh, me and geez, I, I mean, I could talk about um, I mean my own kids here. I mean, like I, I mean, I had a kid that we kind of talked about you know, they wanted to be, you know, they wanted to be on Snapchat. And I mean, it, and, and they were old enough. And, and I said, Hey, like, you know, why don't we do this little social experiment? And let's see how that works for you. Right. And then we were kind of helping and monitoring a little bit and assisting him with that. And sure enough, right. I mean, there were hundreds of notifications in there 
and uh, but no real relationships. And I'm not trying to say that that's true for everyone, right? I mean, I'm I'm on Facebook and and I maintain some of my long distant relationships with friends and even with family back in Portugal through Facebook and other really remarkable tools. Uh, but it's totally true, and and part of that has to do with with the comfort that comes from those those connections that are happening in a social set or in a in a, in social media that almost that almost deceives the brain a little bit as if something meaningful well let me be cautious here something meaningful can be happening but a lot of times it isn't happening like they're just connections and so for my boy hundreds of notifications but no real connections, like nobody for him to hang out with after school, right? Nobody for him to go rock climbing with or bowling with or mountain biking with or whatever. And so some tips there, I mean, I would just throw out as, as a general, just realize that, realize that there is a tremendous amount of comfort and brain will always follow comfort. It goes away from pain and goes towards comfort. And so just realize that your brain will continually direct you towards something that's more comfortable, but that may not be intelligent or effective. And so this is where some of your own personal awareness hopefully can kick in and kind of check yourself a little bit. Like, is, is this actually enhancing my physical social network and interactions? And if it is, then I would say find a balance and you can include that in it. But if it isn't, then you've almost become caught up in a little bit of a trap where your brain has become deceived, almost like in a dream, right? Mm -hmm. Meaning when you're asleep, you know, you may feel like you're falling or you're flying or, you know, whatever, right? You're in a fire or some sexual thing and nothing is occurring, right? But inside your brain, something is occurring and it's so convincing that your whole body experiences it as if it was actually occurring. And the brain doesn't just do this, by the way, when it's asleep. It doesn't when we're awake, too. And it doesn't powerfully, I mean, even for people who are anxious, right? The brain can be so convincing that something is going to turn out bad or horrible that even when it isn't happening, the body will viscerally experience panic anxiety to something that's not even present. And that's just how powerful the brain is. But we can utilize that, right? We can recognize that that's just brain chatter, that just because your brain thinks or feels something doesn't mean it's true. Right. And so it, it, it's tricky. I mean, it, there's a lot to what I'm saying, but that would be my suggestion is, is always check the outcomes with your social, with your social media. Like, is this really promoting a social, a physical network? Is it really creating that for me? And if it isn't, then it, it can be fun and entertaining and comfortable, but in the end, not very helpful, not very intelligent. And, and we want to strive towards being intelligent for sure. Right. And I, I think social media is also addictive in the way that, say, like eating chips or eating candy is like, you know, it provides like that quick dopamine hit. Right. You know, so like yes. a lot of people, like they see other people, they're living this great life and they're getting more likes, more comments than they are. And their life is happier. So now it leads to uh, comparison. And like there's a saying, comparison is the thief of joy. So now you're looking at this yes. more dopamine. They're getting more chips. They're getting more cookies than I am. How come I'm not getting more cookies? How come I'm not, you know, 
and, it, and it's, 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 it's like repetitive every single day. So you're watching people on vacations. You're watching people. And some people might even only took one vacation a year and they might post pictures later on throughout the year. And you're thinking that they have all this money and they have all of this joy. <laughs> you know, it's not even real. You know, it's not the reality of things. So you start comparing your, your life. It's like my life is not that great. Like you start because you're, you're not looking at all the things that you have already around you, you know, and. And if you want to improve your life, you know, it's a gradual thing. Like, but you are probably more than likely you already have a lot of things that are so important around you that many people don't have. But you're not looking at the people that have less than you. You're not going to the pages of the person with one follower. You know what I mean? Or 20 followers. You're not going there. You're looking at the person with 100,000 followers and you're not realizing that they're giving up something in order to get that. Like you have to give to receive. Um, so I, I just I think it's, it's just curious how we look at you know, social media and like, and attention and things like that. Yeah, that, that's powerful, Terrell. I, I, I think you, I think you hit it. Um, at least it, it feels, it feels right. It feels correct. Um, I, I was, you know, I was, I was proud of my boy. Like, I mean, he kind of had, I mean, it was, it was a little bit of a social experiment, right? Like, let's, let's see what this does, right? All of his buddies were on it. Everybody was like, Hey dad, I think this is going to help. This is great. And uh, I, I'm happy for me, like, I mean, as, as a dad, I, I'm happy that it isn't part of his life right now. Like he's kind of got rid of it. And I, and I feel like, man, like at 16, that's, that's like a pretty good decision to make because ultimately he, with a little bit of assistance, I have to say, but, mm-hmm. but he kind of came to this realization that man, like this, it's, it's really, it's really fun, man. It's incredibly, and I don't even want to just throw out, or, you know, the word addicting it's, but it is, it's, it's very alluring. It's very enticing. It's intensely attractive. And so I, I can see why people's brains continually turn to that. And that's where we need this kind of presence of mind, right? And, and a little bit of, of insight, which for teens, right? That's one of those areas that's developing, right? I mean, as you and I get older, Terrell, like our ability to look into ourselves to hear our thinking to see and feel our thoughts and our feelings is increased like we're, we get better at it but with teens that's still one of those things that's developing right is is their ability to actually develop this insightful mechanism where they can kind of see what's occurring and they begin to evaluate it and so that's why a lot of times i think kids just um they just get caught up i mean it, in a battle that's that that they almost can't quite win it's challenging to win because everything about their biology is like like man you got to do this and and it, and the willpower to not do it is really challenging so anyways it's and it's I love like, the question yeah not even just kids though like to me because it's also adults so like oh, yeah. you know like we have a lot of problems in schools you know teachers are underpaid like teachers should be paid more like there's a lot of different things that we could do with policies and stuff like that to make things better in schools but like overall like i mean it's not as bad of a place that as people portray it to be like it's not as bad of a profession or like you know like people were like constantly on the news talking about discipline and things like that but last year like when i looked at our data 83 percent of our kids didn't have one referral 83 percent didn't even have one referral so you know but you know, when I'm in the office and I'm constantly seeing it every day and we're focusing on it and we're hearing it on the news, we're hearing it on TV, like everywhere, like it literally starts to, you know, it's, it's just, it's interesting to me, like how, and now like we're heading into this great resignation and we're losing teachers. I agree. Like we should pay more. We should create better policies and things like that. We should reimagine it. 
but it's still a worthy profession and you're we're still making a difference every single day in the lives of children. And, you know, I just I just think that it's important, like that we somehow like start feeding ourselves with some of this positive information because it's not totally bad. You know, like there are some things that are bad, but it's not totally bad. And every profession is going to have some negative uh, aspects to it. You know, so. one of the things that we so with, with school posts, I mean, when we send out we send out texts to students throughout the nation, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then we have a live team that interacts with students. But. But one of the things that we do every Wednesday is we just do these very brief and simple check-ins with students, right? We ask them how they're doing from really sad to really happy, from nervous to confident, right? We kind of ask them about like their friendships. We ask them about the climate in the school and things like that. Um, but one of the things that I, I always show whenever, whenever I kind of do a presentation about what we do with school posts is every school kind of has this little dashboard, right? That shows the pulse of the school, right? How students are doing. And pretty much throughout the country, right? I mean, at least for us, like the data that we're gathering now, like throughout 20 states from New York to Alaska. I mean, we, we show that we've got about 25% of students, right? That on a weekly basis report feeling really sad, kind of sad, nervous and worried. But then overwhelmingly, 65 to 70% of the student body reports feeling really happy, confident, calm, kind of happy. And I think, like you said, sometimes our focus is so much on those negative statistics, right? One in five are going to develop a mental illness. Yeah. One in three have had suicidal ideation within these last 30 days. No, 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 right. And you're right, we're almost like forgetting, right, that there's this other 70% of students that are <laughs> battling to do well and doing well. And of course we want to provide support for those 25 to 30%. Of course we do. And we're doing it. But I think you're right. We've, we've become so enamored with the negative, right? With, with those statistics that we just regurgitate over and over and over again. Uh, and we do that for good reasons because we're, we're trying to enlist help, right? We're trying to enlist resources and that's positive. But I think that that's one of the things that I that I constantly surprise people with, which is like 60 to 70 percent of the interactions that we're having with students throughout the nation are with students who are doing well. Yeah, And, and, and we want to build that. We want to expand the good. That's what we do. And my, my thing is, like, you know, like just like you were saying, like it's like the one in, you know, one in three or one in four, like, you know, the one in five, like, you know, and I, I get it. You know, like we do need like support, like for, those, for sure. like you were saying. But absolutely like, we never talk about like what like what number is, is a good number there. Like we never we never it's never like a goal, like an Ooh, objective. It's a good point. You know what I mean? Like what what is the objective like for happiness in this world? You know, like what is a good percentage of people uh that, that's happy? What's, what's you know, like we ne we never ever talk about that. Like what what is our exit strategy? Because I mean it reminds me of like, you know, it's funny, like you know, Kobe was in uh special forces and stuff, you know, but I, I, I watched like something and it was talking about like one of the hardest things they did, like, I think it's in buds or whatever for the Navy SEALs is they made people go on a run and didn't tell them how far they had to go. So people lost hope. <laughs> like, so we're, we're chasing something and we don't have an end goal. Like there's no way to know, like what, like what, what are we chasing? Where, where's the, where's the, where's the goal line? Like where do, where do we get the touchdown? At? You know what I mean? Like, where, like where is that? I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to write that down, Terrell. That's good stuff right there, man. You know what I mean? So like, that's a, that's a great question. That's a great question. It's causing people to lose hope because we don't even know if we're doing a good job. You know, like if I told you, you know, like you just give up like some arbitrary number, like you know, like if you say 
um, you know, one in uh, one in five, you know, like people like are sad or whatever. But like you got an 80 percent. That's a B. Like, is that good? Is that not good? <laughs> like, so like, what do we need? Is it one in seven? Like, what is it? One in eight? Like, wh where do we need to go? I, I love that. I love that. And, and, I, and I think even even the distinction there, right, is, is isn't necessarily eliminating sadness, right? It, that's not what we're attempting to do. We're not even attempting to eliminate anxiety, right? The, the goal, I, I think, perhaps is is we're all going to experience those those circumstances, right? All of us are going to experience some variation, some level of severity of panic or anxiety or nervousness or even hopelessness, right? Or pessimism, right? And I think what what positive psychology and other types, right, are, are attempting to do, right, are, are to teach those skills, right? And they've attempted to do so in a way that that it can be quantified, right? So in a way, what they're saying, and I, I don't fully, I don't fully agree with the statement that I'm about to say, but it, but it, but it helps a little bit. So they they look at happiness not just as as a feeling, like something that you feel, but they look at it potentially as a work ethic, like as something that we can do and become better at, and, and they even provide some words that will help to create that type of happiness in life, which is teaching our brain to become more optimistic, right? Teaching our brain to become more hopeful, right? Teaching our brain to become more flexible instead of rigid, like teaching our brain how to shift through our gears instead of becoming kind of obsessively, obsessively locked in and closed. And so those are the types of skills, right? that allow individuals to even be sad, but to remain meaningfully involved in, the, in their lives, right? Engaged in their lives, even though there's sadness, there is grief, there is trauma, there are these things. And so as I'm reflecting over your question, like, man, Yuri, what is the, what is the end goal? And I don't have an answer to that. I'm gonna think about it, I promise. But perhaps that is it, is that despite the madness, right, and, and the extraordinary circumstances that I, that you and I have heard, right, um, and I would never want to diminish somebody's challenge, right, because I know that there are people out there who have experienced things that I can't even imagine, and I have no idea what my brain and body would do if I were faced with trauma like that. I don't even know what would happen to me, um, but hopefully what I'm attempting to give those individuals is hope, right? That we can somehow transform that, right? That trauma, right? So this would be to post-traumatic growth, right? So that it's not always that, but that it's so that it can actually become a meaningful part of one's life uh, as they flourish, right? As they evolve, as they grow, and as they become meaningful contributors, not just to themselves, but to the world around them. So maybe that is, I mean, being a little general, and this is just a thought, but maybe that is part of it is, is to be a meaningful contributor to, to yourself, to others, and to the world around you, right? despite those things. Anyways, go on. No, you're, you're fine. I'm just going to pull something up. And like, this is, this is, Kind of what I'm thinking, like with anything, like if our goal is like improving school happiness, like you have to be specific. Like what are you like? What specifically are you looking for? Um, like, for example, like when I was talking about um, like my aspirations for the upcoming school year, 
I'm like, I just want to have more moments in this, this category than I did the day before. Like, I'm just trying to get a little bit better at a time. Like, am I 1% better at doing the right thing as an administrator than I was the day before? Like, that's it. Like, maybe that is uh, having one more conversation or getting into one more classroom. I'm very specific with my goals. Like, I'm not going to try to say, like, I'm going to get into every classroom every day because it's, it's unattainable. If, we're, if our goal yeah. for improving school happiness is to make everyone happy all the time, that's just not real, you know, and <laughs> so many sure. that could contribute to like your results. Like on a, and that's why I like that you guys you, you send out like a poll weekly on Wednesdays because it, it could be in February, like, and then there's um sad, like seasonal affective disorder, you know, because the sun's not sure. out of place. There's all these different things that can impact school happiness. So if you just do a one and done assessment of school happiness, like what what does the data actually mean? Like, can we measure it? Like your your data, I, I've seen it with, with Kobe. Is measurable. You could see how, like, you know, like the program is shifting and in, impacting school happiness. And because it's measurable and it's specific, now you could really come up with something that you could actually attain, something that you can grasp, something that you could hold on to, something that you might be able to throw a pizza party for or whatever. Like, you know, <laughs> it's something, you know, we got something done. And like, is it relevant? Is it time based? Like all of those things, like, is this something that we could do? Like, say this week, we want to be happier or today or uh, this month, you know, like, like what, like, what are we doing here? But for so long, like, it's just like, oh, well, people just aren't happy or like one, you know, like it, it's, it's just, I just really feel like we're spinning our wheels on this thing. Yeah. I, I really like that. I, I like your 1%. Um, I, I, there's actually a great story. I won't go into it, but it's, but it's about that, right. It's, it's about making those incremental uh, shifts, right. That ultimately result it, in a, in a great outcome. And, and sometimes when I'm doing uh, like therapy with couples, I'll, I'll even tell them like, look, your goal, your objective, right. In regards to those ratios, right. Is to create more positive experiences with your spouse, whether it's a text message, whether it's when you see them, you greet them, whether it's you smile more often or you hold their hand or you listen to them. So just think it's, it's your job, not just in, in interpersonal relationships, but with yourself. Think of it like that. Your job is to create more experiences in your life that encourage feeling better. Like, and we've talked about that. Not, not every feeling better is productive or intelligent, but that create positive feelings in your life. Uh, Martin Seligman, who... Uh, was one of the individuals who was really the proponent or the founder of this kind of positive psychology movement. He gave individuals kind of five, five things. So he's, I mean, he's tested and researched people from all over the globe. Like, I mean, the, the numbers are now in the hundreds of thousands and he's kind of put it down to, to five things for those who want to, who have the highest level of wellness, of well-being. That's kind of what he doesn't call it happiness. He calls it well, wellness and well-being. And they have five things. And he gives it a little acronym, which is PERMA, P-E-R-M-A. And so that acronym stands for P is positive feelings, right? And it, this is going to sound a little like no duh here. But, but positive feelings just means add more things in your life that create positive feelings. Like, for me, it's taking a 20-minute break to go to the gym over here and do a little rock climbing or to go on a 15-minute walk outside and time it on my watch because I'm doing this little competition with my wife. Like, 
that somehow I got to walk more than her. Or I have like some green plants over here. And that just like reminds me of like some of my mom's craziness about plants. But there it is. Like so positive, creating positive feelings and emotions in your life. What are some of the things that create positive feelings for you? And then sprinkle your life with that stuff. Number two is engagement, right? And engagement is all about you being engaged in things, specifically things that are meaningful. But he's found that people who have the highest level of emotional wellness are engaged, engaged to the point where they almost kind of lose themselves in something, whether it's playing an instrument or a sport or communicating or creating or painting or whatever it is, but be engaged in something. One of the things that I tell students at the beginning of every year is, you need to stop being on the sidelines and get in the mix. Pick one, pick two things that your school provides and engage. Like, I don't care about your social anxiety. I'm lying. I really do care about it. But I still want you to take action and go become engaged. And then, of course, positive relationships. We've talked about doing things that are meaningful and then doing things that can help you to create a sense of achievement in your life. And I mean little things. We're not talking about like, I got to climb to the top of Everest. Like mm -hmm. that can happen, but it's going to take a long time. But creating little moments of achievement in your life. And so anyways, that's just to kind of give you a, a brief, but that's what you want to do. That's what we want to do is we want to sprinkle our lives with these things. And let's do it deliberately too, which is, which is key. Yeah, well, I so. think one of the things that we struggle with, I think, is, um, you know, just celebrating like the things that we've done in the past or like taking a second to like reflect uh, like on some of the things that we've accomplished or some of the, even like some of the, the dark times that we made it through. Uh, because a lot of times like you could, you know, like take lessons, you know, like from like some of the struggles or like for me, like last year was, you know, like tough as a new assistant principal. So I literally feel so much more confident coming into this year because I spent a lot of time reflecting you know, on what happened and how I can improve and how I can get just a little bit better. Uh, so like, you know, it's, it's that way you can look at things, but also you could take like some happiness from some of your achievements, like what you accomplished as a result of your hard work and things like that. So I like the idea of sprinkling like those little, uh, uh, you know, like those celebrations for little achievements um, throughout. Even, I mean, it could be like you got up on time, like, you know, you didn't hit the snooze button, whatever it is, like you have to find moments of joy, moments to celebrate within your life, you know. And I think that's that's exactly right, right? And and I think what those individuals would say, positive psychology, is that, is that we can, with a little time and effort, we can train our mind to scan for that, mm -hmm. to scan for goodness, to scan for beauty, to scan for achievement, to scan for instead of what our brain sometimes has a tendency to do, which is to scan for danger, right? To scan for what to be afraid of. And that's the redirection, right, is, is we, in a sense, we're attempting to train students and people to scan for better things. Like, and that's where we look at optimism and hopefulness as skills that we can develop instead of just things that are arbitrarily in us or they're not. Well, I'm just not a hopeful person. Right. I'm just not this. I'm just not that. I'm just not this. And, and we, we come up with these ideas and we literally write them in concrete. And I'm just like, man, like, that the one characteristic about us that defines us is our ability to be dynamic and changeable always. Mm -hmm. But man, do we ever just like, 
that's just who I am, man. I'm just not social. I'm just not this. I'm just not a good athlete. I just don't sing. I just don't. I'm a night person. I'm an early person. I'm right. just like, dude, just give yourself a break. Like, right. Give yourself room to grow, man. And that's why I, I so, my son, you know, like it's the, the power of not yet. You know what I mean? Like you, you might not be there. Yes. You know, like you, you, you know, like if you struggle. So like last, not last season, but the season before last, he struck out a bunch of times. But guess what we did? We practiced. And I told him, like, you know, like the people that hit the ball more consistently or the people that practice more, we practice more. He didn't strike out once all year. I mean, you know, and 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 that's what what ends up happening. Like, you have to understand, like, if you put the work in, if you focus on something, if you dedicate time to it, you can become that over time. Like, is he Barry Bonds yet? No. Like, is he Mark McGuire? No. But he can graduate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, with some steroids, maybe. Definitely steroids. But you. It, <laughs> You know, but that was the best uh, best era for home runs. Best. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna get sidetracked. But you know, it, it's just I don't know, man. Like it's just, it's just the power of not yet, and I think it's important that we tell students, like, okay, you're not happy today, or you know, you haven't been happy so far. But what about tomorrow? Like, can we have a better day tomorrow? Can we have better five a better five minutes? Like, like, what can we take? Like, what can we control? What can we grasp? You know. And then uh, we also have a question. Cause I kind of been skipping this question oh. for a while. Uh, what's the right <laughs> age for uh, to allow children on social media? It bleeds over into uh, the school environment in a major way. And if adults are struggling, what about the developing minds? That, that, that's a great question, and I and I'm I am going to be a little abstract there because obviously that's a decision that you'll make as as a student. I, I don't have a definitive age for that. Um, I, I'll 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 tell you what I do in my home, like so. My kids don't have social media until, uh, I mean, I have, I mean, I've got two girls that are older who, by the way, are going into education and I'm so absolutely proud of them. Um, one's doing special education, one's doing kind of elementary education and I'm just so happy. And then I've got two boys and those gals have, uh, they have social media, but for us, I think we allowed a cell phone at, at the age of 14 and then we, we started doing kind of social media. And this was with my boy who was 16. We kind of tried out this Snapchat, but all of that was regulated by regulated meaning like we would spot check. Like, um, and that's just kind of how it was. Like, that's how we, we rolled it out. We talked about it. We like, they knew that we would be looking at it, that we would be checking on that. And so that's how we do it in my home. Um, I mean, I have one of my business partners. It's just like, I think he's he's basically giving his daughter a thousand dollars if by the age of eighteen, like she hasn't had like I think it's yeah it's either social media or or something else but like he'll literally give her a grand like if she doesn't do it until eighteen and then like she can do it if she wants so um, I wish I had a real definitive age but but I will tell you that I I think. Um, I think it does. I think it does have an impact. Um, I'll, I'll tell you one quick experience. So this this past summer, uh, I did this kind of cool activity, and it was I don't know how to describe it. It's it's kind of um, like we we joined this big group, and we kind of like went out into the wilderness, and and we camped, and we hiked, and we camped, and we hiked, um, and I mean we did it. We're, we're talking like hundreds of kids. Like so, I mean it was it was huge preparation for adults, huge group of kids. And there were zero cell phones, zero cell phones. Like, and number one, we were in the mountains, there wasn't any service anyways, but nobody had a cell phone other than like, there were some like medical personnel and things like that. And I remember walking to 
uh, dinner one night. Like, you know, they were like preparing dinner and I was walking and there were, I mean, just hundreds of teens, right? I mean, and it was just like chatter, 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 chatter. They were just talking and talking, chatter, chatter, chatter. And my guess is that if, if there were cell phones involved during that camp, that line would have been 50% more quiet because students would literally be doing this, right? This is where they would be. They would be literally next to each other and doing this. And, and this isn't a critique of them because that's what I do sometimes, right? I'm right here and people are next to me and I'm right here, right? I'm, I'm kind of engaged. I'm captivated. This is a safe place. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to make any effort. There's no risk there. But it was cool to make, just to just think in my mind, like when the, when the phone wasn't involved, like kids almost had no choice but to chatter. And then the moment they got into the car and they had their phones, it was, it was quiet. We literally, I mean, we traveled with music, but everybody was connected to their own entertainment. And I actually saw this with my, with my girls uh, in college, specifically with one. Uh, we went to her room, to her apartment in college, and all of the students, instead of being in the front room watching TV, which is, but stand, stand with me for a minute. Instead of being there watching one source of TV, they were all in their rooms watching Hulu or Netflix or Prime or whatever else on their phones alone, right? And it, it, to be honest, it, I mean, I, I'm not this like, we should ban all cell phones. That's just not me, but but, but there is a sadness that comes to me because I realize that there is a loss thing and there's a loss. I really? think that comes when we just become, we have such a close relationship with this thing that we miss out on others. Yeah, I, I think that there's just no balance. Like that's tremendous power yeah. um, in social media. I mean, I'm realizing it right now with Twitter. I've, yeah. I've been the person that avoided Twitter like the plague for like the last half <laughs> round. Like literally, I just would not do it. Like would not engage in it. But like now, I'm realizing that I could reach out to so many different professionals and things like that. But it's you know, but literally, like Twitter for me is like building community and also it's business. Yes, you know what I mean. Like it's it's part business too. Um, I just I just think that there's no balance though. Like I remember, you know, I hate to be like this old timer too, you know. But like, <laughs> we, in order to connect with people, like I had to actually speak to them. Like if you wanted to have a conversation with, you know, the young lady or something like that, you literally had to speak to her. Like you had to go in front of our friends and like you know, or maybe like all of those different skills. Like you know, like just being able uh, to have a do a presentation or just to engage people and to communicate to read body language. Like, there's all of these things that are missing. You know, like when you're tweeting. Or like, you know, whatever, like this is just so much like because I think most of the communication is body language. But how do you see that? Like when it's just messages or, totally. you know, if it's just your best reel, like you really can't see or get to understand or really get to know a person in a way that's deep, you know, like when that's like your only mode of communication, even with your family members, you know, like you were talking about, like if you're I mean, I remember like watching TV together, like, you know, like we had to watch the same thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And. It's just it was just a lot, you know, it was a lot of value to me in it. And I'm not saying that what kids have today is invaluable, but that's just so much that could be gained from like that interconnectivity that happens when you talk to other people. I, I think that the word balance, I think, describes really perhaps what is missing and, and what we can dedicate some time and attention to is, is to doing that. And so even back to that question 
like when we, you know, started allowing, you know, like the cell phone. And, and one of the things that my wife and I did, uh, you know, even just creating a little bit of a contract with our kids, which, which really just meant like, like when your cousins are over, like we're not on our phone. Like when we're at the dinner table, we're not on our, like we just don't even have it around. Like, so we kind of just created these things. And of course they, you know, it, it changes a little bit here and there. But, but the idea was, was to attempt to do that. And then, of course, we created some screen time uh, limits, like in part because we knew that, that that's just it's, it's just not a, it's a it's a hard battle to win. And, and I remember having this conversation with my boy, you know, who, who said, you know, Dad, don't you don't you trust us? And and I said, boys, I, I don't fully trust myself. <laughs> And so it's part of it. Yeah, it, it's but but it was but it was it was important, you know, I think for them to realize like, oh, like okay, but 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 it's to help them to understand like that that there are some things that like that biologically we will just be driven to that are very hard to manage. And and so I it, it, it'll be, it's a struggle for all of us. Like, I, but I think you're absolutely right is, is, is if we can be brave enough to create some boundaries, some balance, some limits for ourselves, because when we don't, we, we will likely just turn towards that, that low resistance, entertaining, low risk. That's just where our brain will go because the other represents risk and a little bit of anxiety. And, and a lot of times our brain just wants to avoid that. So it's, yeah, it's not for everybody. I'm being general. Yeah, for sure. It's, and it's instant gratification too. Like there's no commercials a yeah. lot of times. Like it's just like nonstop <laughs> instant, like, you know, gratification. Then if you don't like this app, you switch over to this app. And then like, and the, the thing yeah. is, so like when people talk about like the algorithm, like in YouTube or Twitter or Facebook, like the algorithm is designed to keep you there. So they're going to promote the things that pull you in and keep you there. Like that is the hustle behind all of this. And this is why they get so much money in ad, like ads and all these other different things, because the, the design is to pull you in and keep you here and to keep feeding you things that you want all the time. There's no old lady commercials or anything like that. Like we used to have, like, you couldn't skip it. You know what I mean? Like you just had to watch grandma. Like, you know, she's making cookies again. And like, and, and that was part of it, you know, back in the day. Like, you know, now it's like every everything. And if it's a commercial, it's like a Transformers type commercial. You know what I mean? Like, or like the Budweiser commercials. Like, you know, every yeah. single thing is a level ten commercial, or else you realize that people are not going to stay in line. You know, it's just it's, it's, that that your 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 level ten comment is 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 really good, right? Is 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 is. People, phones, I mean, everything has become so good at, at almost creating an unmatched experience to, to the point that, to the point that, that real life, it, it, it can't match it, right? Like, it just can't match the experience. Uh, you know, whether it's, you know, whether we're talking about pornography or whatever it is, like, we, we just, we just can't match that. Like, there's, there's no match there. And, and like I said, yeah, whether it's with TV or with other things, like it, there's these level tens and, and life is like, yeah, it's like a level six or seven, right? right. Well, Sometimes it's a level 10, but right. it's, it's, it's like, 
I, I was going to say that uh, it's it's like it's the same thing with um, with like substances, right? Like whether it's like methamphetamines or cocaine or heroin, like like those things can be, and obviously people can have like bad experiences, but but that's like like the amount of like things that are released in your brain, just like a natural circumstance can't, can't, can't make that happen. Like, mm-hmm. and the drugs can just create an explosion of it. Right. And so, and I think in some way, right. It's, I mean, those things aren't cocaine or heroin or, or methamphetamines, but, but man, I think you're right. They're creating something that life can't match. It's literally an addiction. And like, that's the parallel and I mean, I think that people have also got so, gotten so good at marketing. And like, and if you remember, like the primary yeah. goal of marketing is to take a want and to create a need, you know, like so <laughs> eat their cell phone. Now it's not, and, and it, they don't realize that it's really just a want. I want to check my phone. Now it's I need to check it. So mm-hmm. if you take away a student's phone, like that's going to like sometimes there's going to be an explosion, not for every student, but there'd be an explosion because you're taking away something that they feel like they need. Because they've been told and programmed and marketed to, like with not with tons of information um, that leads to them feeling like they absolutely need it. That's that's well said. I I actually spend a lot of time with people. Um, I I, I always tell them like you need you need to be very cautious about what you say you need, like because whatever you say you need, your your brain will will do whatever it takes to go get it. Mm-hmm. So be very cautious with what you actually say is a need. Like I need to be respected. Really? Like right. be cautious with what you say. Like, you know, I, and then another one, right. Is the deserve, right? There, there are two words that I don't say in this life. It's the F word and the D word. I don't say fair and I don't say deserve. I've literally eliminated those two things from my vocabulary because that creates, it's an erroneous representation of reality. Like, mm-hmm. And ultimately, it, it may seem like a just semantics, right? Like, oh, like Yuri doesn't like saying those words. That's fine. But but I, I don't want to possess a psychology that will cause me harm. Like, it'll literally cause me harm later. Yeah. So <laughs> it was, I love it. I love it, Terrell. That's so funny. So, like, you know, I'm a, a huge Jay-Z fan, right? And, like, there's a Jay-Z line for literally everything. So Jay was talking. He had on one song. He's like, I was afraid to pray to God and say, I don't deserve this. Because I was afraid that he would say that I deserve less. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And like, and that's the thing. Like, man, like we always talk about what we deserve. What have you earned? You know, like, like what? Have, what have you earned? Yes. In life? Have you earned like this life that you want? Have you, have you thought about the sacrifices it takes to go on like some of these mega trips or to own this mega house? Like, people are literally giving up their souls a lot of times, like giving everything up, working 80, 90 hours a week. Are you willing to do that? Or if you want this, this like high, like class husband or wife or whatever, like, are you willing to do the things that it takes in order to keep that person, like to entertain that person? Are you willing to do that? Or are you really a person that is actually more comfortable at a six every day instead of a 10? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's well said. And in fact, when, yeah, when we have that discussion, that's, I, I, I go down a very similar line, which is, yeah, number one, you it, it's just not about deserve. But if there's something you truly want, like, let's it. pursue it. Like, go let's talk it. about it. Let's go get it. Like, let's figure yeah. out how to become better and go get it instead of getting stuck right in this kind of victim-like mentality of like, I deserve this or that. Or, and it's just, it just is not helpful. It's, it's not, not helpful. So, you can't move forward. Yeah. 
And then, you know, before you go get it, make sure that you want it. Uh, you know, like that's always the thing, like careful what you wish for, you know what I mean? Because like, there's a lot of things like you could get, I, I truly believe that you, like I always say this on the show too, like you could, you could do anything, but not everything. So like, if you're focusing on one thing, you better make sure that you want it. Because Ooh, that's good. It's be what you want. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. That's really good. I, I think I, I may have heard that at some point, but I like it. I like it. You can do anything, but not everything. That's true. That's true. There is a limit. There is a limit. And, and interestingly enough, I, I joke and I, and I feel like my brain has, has like reached this, this point where I, I tell my wife, honey, it's like my brain is just like slippery, like stuff just literally skips off, like nothing even lands and stays in there. I feel like I, if I don't write down, it's literally gone within a second and I'm just like on to the next thing and then on to the next. And oh my gosh, like, Either that or I'm just getting old for real, which is probably true. I don't write it down. It didn't happen. And I I literally survived by my (laughs) Google calendar. I have like three Google calendars and I all, I link them all (laughs) to one thing. Without that, I mean, I just, I couldn't keep it. Even right now, like when I'm talking to you, like I'm taking notes because like, I know I'll have an idea and like like, a fleeting or whatever, you know, Oh yeah, literally fleeting, like they'll go and then they'll leave. So I'm just writing them down because I don't want to cut you off. So it's, it's sort of what I'm doing. Like sometimes you might see me looking down. It's like, oh, like, oh, no, oh. yeah. So that's really cool. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I, I love. It. Thank you. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, like you know, like just kind of like to tie this all back together. You know, like why? Do, how do you feel like school posts could kind of help and kind of alleviate like this uh, or change the addiction? change the, the the type of dopamine that the kids are getting like that the sense of happiness and urge that they're getting with, with they're getting with the cell phone how can school posts kind of help with it thanks for asking i i think one of the things and i kind of said it before right is, is one of our goals one of our objectives really is like we want to, to encourage that that happiness advantage in every student and the way that we do it and it's through text right which which, which may seem interesting, but, but what I always tell people is that the moment that words come out of our mouth, the moment that we begin to express those things, there's power in that. There's power in the written word. There's power in the spoken word. And when we provide not only an opportunity for us to deliver this content where students are over text, but then also to have an entire team of just gentle respectful, positive coaches, right? That we can literally, and we can actually measure this. We can actually measure the way that students feel when they begin interacting with our team and when that interaction is done. And, and the beauty of that is, is, is they're simply connecting. Like that's what we're creating is we're creating a caring connection with that student. And we, of course, encourage them to connect outwards. We're not attempting to create some weird dependency here with us. Kids interact with us all the time, but our focus and encouragement is always, right? Let's help you build a network out there because we already know, right? That that is, that is the, def- the, the, def- the definitive like goal for long-term happiness. So we definitely encourage and promote that, but it's that creating a, a place that's, safe that's non-threatening that's gentle that's kind it just lifts people but you know that because you've experienced that in your own life and we literally provide that to students over text like that's what we do so it's not just that proactive content that's going out where we're teaching students how to develop those positive psychology skills and strategies 
and that psychology, that thinking, but then we mix that up with real people, with real caring voices. And the outcomes that we get are awesome, which is students that are happier. And when students are happier, when dopamine is flowing in their brain and they feel better, they're not just feeling better because dopamine doesn't just do that. Dopamine also engages and opens every learning center in your brain, which allows your, your students, your children to learn better, to retain better, to be more flexible, to be more creative. And that's our goal. Our goal is to elevate their sentiment, which we know has those kind of behavioral changes and outcomes in the long run. So we just want to join schools, honestly. Like we know schools aren't mental health hospitals. Like that's not what they do. They're there to be incredible places of learning, right? And we just want to join that. We want to help your students to be happier, to feel supportive, to feel connected, to feel like they have a place to chat and to be greeted with enthusiasm and kindness and positivity. And we know that when they are, their sentiment levels are higher and they feel better. And as a result, they will be better students and better individuals that day. So that's kind of what we do. That's how we promote it. Uh, and we absolutely love it because every day over here, in all honesty, is literally a highlight reel of just interactions with students throughout the entire nation, all the way from everything that's going and that's doing well in their lives and we're celebrating with them, all the way to students who are really struggling, like who are really challenged, whether it's their own situation at home or uh, at school or with friends or with something that's biologically challenging for them, and we just provide goodness. Like that's that's what we want to do. That's what we want to do. So, you know, for the listeners out there that are educators or like maybe even for the parents, because you have a parent price too, which is like $50 mm -hmm. per, per, per month, you know, or, or 40 per year, per year. Yeah. Per year, sorry, yeah. Per year, not per month. Sorry, per year. $49 oh, per, per month per student, uh, you know, yeah. uh, if you do it like as a school. How can people learn more, like, you know, if you're a parent or if you're an educator about uh, getting in, you know, getting more information about School Pulse? You know, they, I mean, they, they can go to schoolpulse.org uh, or even you can go to schoolpulse.com as well. It's, it's the same. Um, but you can also reach out to me. I mean, you can reach out to me individually. I'd love to, to chat with you. I, I, I talk to people all day long. Um, but that would be a good way. You can go on that website. You can request a demo. There's a, a button there and that'll, that'll put you directly in contact with me. Um, you can email me directly at URI, which is I-U-R-I at schoolpulse.org. You can even text me if you want at 435-319-0347. Just text me. Let's have a conversation. And uh, we're, we're really here to provide the most uh, and in a very affordable way in a very affordable way. Yeah, so. And then if there's one lasting thing that you want to, you know, like tell the audience, like, you know, like if there's one thing, like, you know, what would that be? Ooh, what a great question. Um, I guess that is what I would say. I, I would say it's, it's, it, it's time for all of us, right? And I would include myself in this. Uh, please don't, I hope you don't feel like I'm, I'm preaching to you or, or picking at either any of you, but, um, it's time to make a little bit of a mental shift in your life from being passive and reactive to being proactive 
and to moving towards good things in your life and realize that you have to nurture that, that you have to invest in that, right? That it ain't coming to you, right? That's coming back all the way to the beginning, Terrell, right? It ain't coming. We have to go get it. We have to swim. We have to go. But that, but that going is really important. That going is really important because as we go into life confidently, our mind grows, our bodies expand, our muscles expand. Like it's necessary. And we can't just get lulled to sleep by entertainment. Like it'll literally kill us. Like, and I mean, maybe I'm being a bit dramatic, but it'll just literally suck the life out of us. And so whether it's in your marriage, in your relationship, whether you're a teen, go get in the mix, go live deeply and suck out all the marrow of life. Like go do that and deliberately do it throughout your day. Don't just accidentally find yourself there because that actually makes a difference too. Like the way you approach something deliberately or whether just accidentally actually increases or decreases kind of your happiness. So anyways, no, go be okay. proactive. That's what I would say. That's, that's, that's awesome. Um, you know, I'm a, like, there's a lot of people I'm a fan of, like Deion Sanders is one of them. Like someone said, he he's like, no, I don't happen to be anywhere. I'm intentionally everywhere that I'm at. Ooh, and like, I you know, love that. That's the thing. You know what I mean? Like we have to be intentional about the places that we're, we are, whether it's physically or mentally, like we need to be very intentional. Like if you want have like a goal, like for earnings, or if you have a goal for your job or a goal for your life or what you want it to be, go get it. Like be intentional, go get it, set a plan. Don't think about getting there in one day, try to figure out the steps, the baby steps. What is the first step? What is the next step? And gradually build the life that you want to live. So Money. Yeah. So geez, rack that. Send it. <laughs> so Yuri, I cannot thank you enough uh for your time for coming on the show today, man. Like we gotta do this more often. We gotta we gotta we gotta talk more often. <laughs> Dude, we, we can talk psychology <laughs> anytime. Yeah, seriously, like I mean, I don't even want to wrap this show up, man. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, but uh but yeah, so I can't thank you enough. Everyone go follow uh Yuri on his various platforms. Also, like please go and check out school posts. Uh, it is a revolutionary idea for like in two different ways. Like you have the positive psychology side, which is not looking at students as uh, broken or only focusing on the students that we would consider like needing help. Like, yeah. we are, I mean, it is literally proactive. We're going out and, and trying to help all of the kids, You're giving them baseline programming that's going to help just pretty much anyone uh, be happier, you know, in their own life. Now, there will be about 15 percent that need a little bit more. But that 80%, a lot of times we're overlooking them and only focusing on that 15%. We need to do a little bit better better of a job because I guarantee you most of the people watching, you're in the 80%. So you probably need to change your life's algorithm too and, and stop feeding yourself uh, so much bad information too. So uh, just make sure that you follow School Post, get to know more, uh, reach out to Yuri, uh, you know, and uh, I, I can't thank any uh, like all of y'all, man, just for coming out watching and sticking with us this entire time. So thank you so much for your time. Yuri, if you want, we can stick on and talk. And uh, everyone else, peace. <laughs> peace out, my friend. <laughs>